Let's give, give another remark, another round of applause. What a great communion message that was. And what a great morning in church we're having today. Thank you, music team. Done an awesome job this morning. Thanks, Mark. Before I start, I'll just uncap this bottle. And while I do that, why don't you turn to your neighbor today and say, make room. I believe God is here this morning and we need to make room for a fresh anointing, for a fresh blessing to be received today. All right, nothing like a bit of silence to get the morning started. <laughs> now, before we step into the Word this morning, let's just pray quickly. Um, Lord, I just pray, Father, that we're here today and we're willing and desiring to hear from you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, Father, that we lay aside our distractions that we might be walking through in the life this morning. Lay those things at your feet, Father, knowing that you're here and that you want to speak to us, Lord, and that we have an expectation to receive something new from your Spirit today. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So for my message this morning, church, I want to speak to us a little bit about something that God is working on in my life today. And I'm still walking through day to day. And that is on how to live in breakthrough in our situations and in our circumstances to step into the call that God has for us. Now, it's important for us to understand that God has called us to a specific purpose. You see, God has called you and He's called me to step into a greater life through Him. Now, for some of us here today, we might know what that purpose is. We might know what God is calling us to do, whether that's our jobs, serving in the church, serving in our community. On the other hand, there's probably some of us here today who are still not sure on what that purpose that God has for us exactly is. But I just want to encourage you today that if that's you this morning, don't be discouraged by that because your purpose in God does not have an expiry date. See, there's no best before or used by date for the call that God has for you. But I want to tell you, just keep praying, keep searching God for those things because sometimes He's been speaking to us and He is still speaking, but we just have to take time, take a second to realign our hearts and our spirits with the things of God and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us and reveal those things to us. Now, you see, in my own life and in my journey, as I'm sort of walking through this area of breakthrough in my life, it's an area that I'm continuously handing to God and I have to continually ask Him to grow my faith, to overcome my fear, to overcome my doubt and my hesitation. Because if I didn't ask God to do those things, I probably wouldn't be up here this morning. You see, this doesn't come naturally to me, but I know that when I rely on God's strength in situations that are unfamiliar or fearful to me, He will pull me through those situations. You see, we have to rely on God to break down the barriers in our mindset which stop us from stepping into the calling that He has for us. Now, we are all called as a church to impact our community and to see the people around us reach for the kingdom of God. You see, that is our commission here on earth. Now, can I be real with you this morning, church? Um, I want to be a little bit transparent because I haven't got this thing of life figured out. You see, I'm not perfect. And there have been times in my life where I've become hesitant from stepping into what God's called me to, where I hold back from stepping out completely in faith because the life that God's called me to looks so much different from the life that I've envisioned for myself. You see, sometimes stepping out to share my faith with someone, um, I have to be vulnerable. You see, I have to take that risk to either be, get hurt or be misunderstood. And if we give God complete, complete yeah, our lives completely to God, 
what does that look like? Where would that lead me? You see, sometimes it's the fear of the unknown that holds me back from stepping out. Now, what I'm learning as I'm journeying through this in my own life is that as soon as you and I start to take control of situations in our own life with our own strength, your own perspective, your own humanly understanding of what we're facing, we often get to this point of breakdown. You see, bang, we hit the wall. We can't progress because the wall in front of us is so much bigger or seems so much bigger than our situation. There's nowhere up and over the wall. There's nowhere around the wall. We can't see a possible solution to the problem that we're facing. And I believe the reason that we get to this point in life sometimes is because in our own physical self, we can only give so much. We can only expend so much energy until we reach our point of exhaustion, our point of breakdown. Now, I want to remind you this morning that God is bigger than our problems, and He's been reminding me that His perspective is so much bigger than my own. If we look at the Bible in John 16.33, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, that's a very encouraging scripture to me because what God is telling us is that He is so much bigger than our situation. You know, God is not writing the story of your life or the story of my life as we're walking through it day to day, but He's already laid out the path before us. You see, God has already designed the blueprint for your purpose and for my purpose in this life. But sometimes it's up to you and me to go, God, use me for Him to put those pieces into place so that we can step into the life and step into the things that He has so passionately and intricately designed for us. You see, we need to remember sometimes that God is so much bigger than our problems. His perspective is so much different. When me and you come against a problem or see a certain situation as a setback, that's our perspective. But in God's perspective, He's looking at that situation in your life and going, that is just one more opportunity for me to bless you today. That is just one more opportunity for me to bring breakthrough in your life. Because I guess a revelation I've had in my own life is more often than not, it's at that point where I reach my breakdown where my biggest breakthrough lies. But I don't always get there to that breakthrough because sometimes the biggest struggle for us as Christians and the biggest thing we have to overcome is perseverance. You see, no one likes persevering and pushing through the storms but we have to keep pushing through keep persisting in the thing that God has called us to break down that wall in front of us one brick at a time because the breakthrough on the other side of that wall is so much bigger than what we can imagine for ourselves now I don't know about you guys but I like to try and be organized in certain aspects of my life you know I like to know what tomorrow is going to bring what I'm going to do next week and you've all probably learned that it doesn't matter how much plan we put into life, how, made, how much we try to figure things out for ourselves. Life is unpredictable. Our circumstances change. You need, we, we can come against a problem that we didn't see coming. But if we look even at the life of Jesus, you see, Jesus had to persist through so much struggle, through so much hurt. And in the midst of that pain and struggle, he had to remain faithful to the purpose God called him to so that me and you today can live set free of our sins and can live in a relationship with God. You see, if Jesus wasn't persistent, there would never have been the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And without the crucifixion, there is no resurrection. Now, if we think about our own lives, me and you have to face triumph, 
to have, or the trials to have triumph in our lives. We also, as Christians, need to face tests in our, in our journey of faith because if we were never tested in our faith, we would never develop a true understanding of who God is, our own true revelation of who God is, our own true testimony to share who God truly is to us, to those people in the world around us. Now, the thing is, the enemy knows that with your breakthrough lies your biggest growth. And it's at that point where you are on the cusp of breaking through and overcoming the situation that you're standing against that the enemy will come and sneak into your life with emotions like fear, doubt, hesitation, and try and stop you from breaking down the wall in front of you and smashing that wall one more time, you know, bringing that problem or area of healing that you're praying for to God one more time, for lifting up your hands in praise one more time, because the enemy knows that your biggest breakthrough will come from breaking down the greatest wall in your life. Now the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 35 to 36, it might be on the screen here behind me, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Now I want to tell you today, if you've come into church this morning and you're needing breakthrough in your situation, if you've come to church of a need this morning and desperately need to see a breakthrough in your life, it's time to shift your focus. You see, it's time to stop focusing on the why nots or the reasons why we think in our own perspective we have not received the breakthrough or the healing that we've been praying for, but time to start celebrating, lifting our hands up in praise and giving those things to God and focus on the reasons why He will give us that breakthrough. You see, it's sometimes we need to do a bit of a faith check when we're praying for breakthrough because sometimes it's easy to place our faith for our breakthrough in the testimony and the stories of victory someone else is walking through in their life. But sometimes we need to just remind ourselves that we need to put our faith for a breakthrough in our own life into the character of God and the promises that He has for us in His Word. Now, I'm not saying that testimonies are a bad thing. In my personal life, I reckon they're one of the best ways of encouraging each other, standing next to each other in our journey of faith. But I do want to tell you this morning that true real breakthrough comes from receiving the goodness of God in the trenches of your own battles. You see, we receive breakthrough when we receive the goodness of God in the midst of our struggles. Now, the biggest encouragement God has been revealing to me as I'm walking through this in my own life is that our strength in our faith is not born from receiving our miracles, but our strength in our faith is born from persisting through the struggles in your own life. Now, as we go on, I want to tell you that God is a good God and He will equip you and give you all the tools you need to step into the purpose that He has called you to. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 6 to 8, In His grace, God has given us different things for doing certain things well. You see, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak with as much faith as what God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're called to be a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. You see, if your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if God has given you the gift of kindness, do it gladly. Now, sometimes we do things because God has called us to, but our face might be saying something else. And we need to remember 
to smile in the things that God has called us to. I'm going to pause at the story of Moses quickly this morning, and I won't go into too much detail, but Moses is a character in the Bible who God used to deliver the Israelites from the rule of Pharaoh and the oppression that they were facing. But he didn't just go, Moses, here you go, lead my people out of Egypt, lead them down to the Red Sea. And then when Moses got there, God didn't just look at him and go, well, Moses, you're here now, you're here with my people, you've got the ocean in front of you, the land which I'm calling you to is on the other side, and I want you to get my people to that land. Now, God didn't just go, Moses, cross this Red Sea, but I don't know how you're going to do it. You better figure it out. Because if you look over that hill, the Egyptians are coming. They're coming to capture you. You see, your problem is coming. It's right there. It's coming to get you. But no, if you look at the Bible, it says in Exodus 14:21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea by a strong east breeze all night, made the sea dry land, and divided the waters. You see, God gave Moses the tools that he needed for his purpose. He gave him the knowledge he needed to step into the calling that he called him to. But more importantly, God gave Moses the ability to fulfill the purpose that he's called him to. So if you're taking notes, God will equip you for your calling. God will equip you for your calling. Now on a bit of a sidetrack this morning, I just want to... Something God has been speaking to me about and sort of ministering to me personally is that in this day and age that we live in today, in this sort of generation that we live in, everything that we need and what we want is right at our fingertips. We don't have to be patient or work for the things as that we need as hard as what we used to in the past. You see, two small examples I like to look at is, so I'm not sure if you guys ever get hungry or lazy to cook on a Friday night and... You know, you don't want to make dishes. It's the end of the week. You feel like a simple dinner. You can go down to Macca's KFC and get a meal without any effort. You see, all we have to do is go there, place our order, and bam, there's our meal. We don't just get our meal, though. What we do get is we get our meal fast. It's fast food. It's an instant fix to our hunger. The other thing is if we want to talk to someone in our life or make connection or have a conversation with someone, we don't have to run outside set up a fireplace, get some smoke, send out a smoke signal. Oh, the wind's blowing the wrong direction. I better try again tomorrow. We don't have to send a telegram and wait for a response. But what we do have in this day and age is instant messaging. We've got instant direct messaging. We've got Facebook Messenger. We've got WhatsApp. We've got FaceTime. If we want to communicate, it's right there. It's an instant thing. Now, what God's been speaking to me about is that sometimes this fast food, instant quick fix kind of culture that we live in today can cause us as Christians to be an instant quick fix kind of Christian who wants an instant solution to our problems. We don't want to get into the trenches and fight for our breakthrough anymore because we're so used to getting everything without too much effort. And now I'm not saying that to discourage anyone here today. I'm just revealing a little bit about what God is talking to me in my own life. But as we move on, I'd like to focus on some characters in the Bible that didn't have instant messenger, that didn't have fast food, but were still used by God, but had to dig in and break through the walls in front of them so they can break into the promises that God had for them. Now, the first character I want to look at this morning is David. Now, who here likes the story of David and Goliath? Hands up. 
And if your hand's not up, I know that you're holding something back from us this morning. You see, the story of David and Goliath is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Now, if you haven't read that story before or want to refresh yourself, it's found in 1 Samuel 17. Now, I probably don't have time to read the whole story for you today. But what we do find in that scripture or passage is a great recount of the, David's battle with the giant in his own life and him having to overcome that giant to step into the bigger promises that God has called him to. You see, the first thing I want to focus on in the story of David and Goliath this morning is that when David first stepped out onto the battlefield, little David, the shepherd boy with his sling, Goliath looked at him and his first action towards David was not to throw a spear or throw a stone at him. It was to come against David with his words. You see, the first thing Goliath did was try and discourage David, to try and intimidate and threaten David with his words. Now, the reason I'm focusing on that is I don't think Goliath just did that because he was just big, mean, giant of a bloke, but I think it was very tactical. I think Goliath knew in the spirit that if he could influence David's emotions by planting seeds like hesitation, doubt, fear, he could influence David's actions. You see, our hearts will influence our action. So what, what Goliath was trying to do here was trying to plant those seeds of hesitation or fear to stop David from stepping out into the battle that God called him to. And just like Goliath was trying to discourage David in that moment, the giants in our life will come against us with their own words to try and discourage you and me from stepping into the purpose and the calling that God has called you to. You see, the enemy will come against us with things like, who do you think you are? You don't deserve this breakthrough. You know, that hurt or pain that you have in the past, that will never go away. You will never receive the healing that you're praying for because you lack the faith that you need for that healing. But I want to tell you, David did not let the words of Goliath stop him from stepping into that battle. Because David went into that fight with full confidence, full trust in God's ability, because he's learned from previous trials and tests in his life that God will deliver him. You see, and just like God delivered David from Goliath in this situation, he will come through for you and I. Now, the second thing I want to focus on in the story of David and Goliath is that God used what had been tested in David's life to overcome the giant in front of him. Now, let's quickly stop and look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 38 to 39, if you can have it on the screen. It says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put up a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fasted on his sword over his tunic and tried walking because he was not used to these things. Um, it says then, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. It says in verse 40, then he took his staff in hand. He chose five smooth rocks from the smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd bag. And with the sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You see, we all know from the story of David and Goliath, David didn't defeat Goliath by using the more impressive, probably the more cool, the more dangerous weapons that Saul gave to him. But David used his sling and the rock. Now, the reason I'm pointing that out to you today is God used what had been tested in David's life to overcome Goliath. Now, someone here this morning needs to know that God wants to bless and anoint the tools that have been tested in the trials and in the struggles in your life to overcome your current giant. You see, David did not fight Saul 
with fight Goliath with Saul's armor because those tools were never tested in David's life. You see, David didn't have practice or familiarity with Saul's armor, Saul's sword. And the, what I want to point out to our, for us here is that the same goes for you and me. We can't go again, up against the giants in our own life or go into battle by relying on someone else's weapons. You see, we can't come up against the storms in our life relying purely on someone else's testimony, someone else's revelation, someone else's understanding who God is. But what we need to do is we need to push into God's Word, discover what those tools are in our life, work in those tools, develop in those tools so that we can build our own unique set of armor, our own unique weapons to come against the giants in our life. Now, David got very skillful with using his slingshot and his rocks. You see, during his time in the wilderness when he was looking after sheep, fending off wild animals, fending off lions. And the lesson in this for you and me is when you and I use the tools that we have to face the smaller battles in our lives, the more skillful, the more equipped, and the more capable of victory we become with using those tools when the bigger giants of life come our way. Now I want to encourage you this morning that your biggest breakthrough into the things that God has called you to will lie in your biggest breakdown. You see, the area in your life where you are struggling with the most, the area in your life where you are currently battling with the hardest, that will be the area of your biggest breakthrough when tomorrow comes. You see, God is here today. God was here yesterday and God will stand with you in the midst of your storm as long as you persist and keep pushing into His Word and keep pushing into what He's called you to you will see the breakthrough on the other side. Now, you and I have to get our hands dirty sometimes. You see, we can't go into battle by standing back. We have to sometimes step into what God's called us to, to be able to, to, be able to step out in our faith. You see, we have to pick up the sword and swing our sword one more time. And when we go into battle, I think it's important for you and us to step into battle expecting triumph. Because you and I need to realize that in our victory lies a greater measure of the anointing of God for your life today. The battle you are facing today is the breakthrough that you'll walk in tomorrow. So if you're taking notes, write that down. The battle you are facing now is the breakthrough that you'll walk in tomorrow. Now, the second character I want to look at this morning is a guy called Isaac. Now... If you have your Bibles with you, we're going back to the start, Genesis chapter 26. Um, in this chapter in the Bible, in this particular time in Isaac's life, I'll give you a brief Bernard's paraphrased version of Isaac's life during this time. If we look at this scripture, it says that at this time, Isaac just inherited his father's land. So Abraham was Isaac's father and Isaac just inherited the land that Abraham owned. You see, it's part of his promise and part of his inheritance. Now, unfortunately for Isaac at this time, that land was gone, was struck by a big famine. You see, there probably wasn't too much life, too much prosperity in this land. So what Isaac does is he decides to move on to a different area called Gerar. Now, in this area of Gerar, another unfortunate thing happens. It's actually the same place where the Philistine king was living at the time. Now, that doesn't sound too promising to me. If, I was gonna, if I've been working hard for something, you know, if me and you have been pushing into and believing for something, we finally receive it just to find out there's not too much prosperity, not too much promise, 
not too much life there, it'd be pretty discouraging. Now, Isaac faced two decisions here. He could have decided to maybe move on to somewhere else, leave what he was promised behind and look and seek for a better life, new things. Or he could have stayed where he was and stayed faithful to his inheritance. But we see in the story of Isaac, God comes to him and says, Isaac, stay where you are. And if you do, I will be with you and I'll prosper you in this foreign land. So what Isaac does is he decides to stay obedient to God. He stays obedient to what God has called him to do. And we see that God comes through for Isaac. You see, Isaac starts working the land and starts to see prosperity. God starts to bless him very richly. You see, God comes through for Isaac in this place. Now, if we think about if you owned a bit of land and someone else came to work that land for you, you know, you're both working the same swirl, probably in a close proximity to each other, and you're working just as hard as the person next to you, but they're seeing a greater prosperity and a greater fruitfulness in their life, you'd probably become a little bit discouraged by that. And we can see in the story of Isaac, that's exactly what happens. The Philistines look at Isaac's life and go, you know, this guy is becoming too prosperous in our, in our land. We need to come against him. So what they decide to do in this moment is they decide to fill in all the wells which Isaac was relying on to supply water to his crops, to the water he was relying on to have prosperity and to have success in that land. And now, I don't know about you, but if I was living in a foreign land where I was already facing hostility from the Philistines, and then they decide to come and fill in the well which I was relying in for my own income, my own prosperity, my own blessing. That might have been the camel, the straw on the camel's back to, for me to go, no God, this is not the place for me. I'm going to move on and leave this place behind. But what I find encouraging about the story of Isaac is even in the face of the contention and the struggle that he had with the Philistines, he remained faithful to the promise of God to stay where he is. He picked up his spade and he kept digging more wells. We see in the story of Isaac, he dug his first well. And there the Philistines were, look, mate, this is not your place. We don't want you here. It's time for you to move on. So Isaac goes, I'm going to name this place Ezek, which means argument, and I'm going to move on. So he picks up his spade again. He doesn't give up. He persists. He digs another well. And surely enough, here come the Philistines. Look, mate, this is not your place. We don't want you here get out, move on. So he names the second well that he dug Sitna, which means hostility. And now Isaac's probably got his shovel in his hands at this time. He's going, God, I don't want to dig again. I'm not going to dig another time. But he shoves, digs the shovel back into the dirt, digs one more time. And I bet you, as he got to the end of digging that third well, he was probably going, where are the Philistines? They should be here. They should be here right now to tell me to move on. But they don't. You see, in this third time, there was no dispute or arguing from the opposition Isaac was facing. So he named this third well Rehoboth, which means open space or room. Now what I want to encourage us with in this story, I've sort of taken the long way around to my point here, but I'm back. <laughs> what I want to encourage you with is that even in the land of Isaac's enemy, God prospered him and God blessed him. And now for me and you, we might find ourselves in a situation in life but we, it might be the most unlikely place for a blessing or the most unlikely place for us to have prosperity or success in our life. But with perseverance and continuing to work, push into the things of God, continuing to seek God and what He's called us to, God will reward our persistence, just like He did for Isaac. 
You see, the third well Isaac dug, he didn't just name Rehoboth for a reason. The meaning of that word is open space or room. And I believe in the spiritual, what that had for Isaac was an increased capacity for the blessings of God in his life and an increased room for the anointing of God to move upon his life. And just like that, when we persevere, God will deposit those things into our life. What I love the most about the stories or the passage of Isaac is that if me and you refuse to give up, God will use that struggle, that current battle that we're facing, that challenging season in our life as a platform to propel you and I into the bigger and greater things that He's called us to. Now, Isaac at the time, in his own perspective, probably couldn't see what God was doing in the background. You see, with every conflict and every trial Isaac came against, God was using it as a purpose to direct him back to where he called him to be. We see in the story of Isaac, he ended up back in Beersheba, which was the promised land that he received from Abraham. But he had to go through those trials and struggles for God to redirect him back to that promised land that he had inherited. Now, just like that, you and I might be going through a time where we're going, God, why am I here? God, I'm in this place where there's no life. There's no breakthrough for me. There's nothing here for me. But I want to encourage you, remain faithful to God. Keep seeking Him. Keep reading His Word. Keep bringing your struggles to Him. In church, when you come in on a Sunday and your hands are feeling heavy because you've lifted your hands a hundred times before. I'm not sure. I once heard a story about a stonemason. I think it's a stonemason. But anyway, a rock splitter. You know, that rock splitter has to hit that rock almost a hundred times or there's you know, a few times, but maybe on that second, the 101st or 110th time that rock splitter hits that rock, all those little chips result in a breakthrough. That rock splits. And just like that, church, I want to encourage you, come to church, be expectant to hear from God, be expectant to step into the things that He has for us. Lift your hands in prayer. Come to your knees. Be vulnerable. Don't hold back from what God is calling you to because of the fear that you have. Because when God calls us to a purpose, He will equip us. He wants to prosper us. He wants to see us break through into the things that He's called us to. So as I finish today, church, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 to 9 says, it's up on the screen behind me. We are pressed on every side by our troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. You see, we get knocked down but we are not destroyed. So if you remember anything today, church, to take home, is that God will use what you have for victory in your own life. You see, our strength and our faith is not born by seeing miracles, but miracles are born from the strength and the faith we receive in our struggles. So take that home with you, church. I don't know. I'm usually, I would like to think I'm a rock that doesn't crack sometimes. But when we allow the Spirit to move in our lives, for our hearts to be softened, that's when we come into a place where we can go, God, use me. I'm sick of doing things my own way, but I trust in what you have for me.